Hi, this is Rosalinda, the host of Faith Fuel Podcast, the show where we hear voices of people transforming the world for Jesus. Pastors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and world changers. So sit down, relax, or keep it driving. It's time to get some wholehearted, wide open, and yes, sometimes side-splitting encouragement and direction for your life. So get ready to get fired up. Hi, and welcome to Faith Fuel. So excited to have you join us today because the guest that I have on today is just going to, uh, I don't want to say wreck your life, but wreck the negativity out of your life and teach you something about not just surviving, but thriving. And so today I want to encourage you to stick through all the way to the end because I believe you are going to be blessed by today's conversation. You know, we always hear the phrase, be kind to everyone because you never know what they're going through. Well, the same goes for our past, our history that is modeled and shaped you and I, and it's really made us who we are today. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, I talk about this all the time, is in Isaiah 61, verse 3. And it says, I'm going to bestow, that's got a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Or sometimes it says a spirit of heaviness. God's got a crown just for you. He wants to take those old things, the hurting things inside of us, and just switch them out. And it is amazing when you surrender your life, what you will find. I mean, the joy that God will fill. Well, let me tell you something about Nicole. She doesn't look like the girl that's gone through much. You know, when I first met her, I see her ministry, her women's ministry, the church that they pastor, her and her husband, Pastor David Crank. And so my friend, Nicole Crank, has written a new book and I love it and the title and the cover and it's so cool. And it looks like you're talking about surviving, but it's really about thriving. And they have thrived not only in their marriage, I met their children in their church, but it didn't begin that way. So today on my show, I have Nicole Crank. Nicole, it's so great to have you. You know, Rosalinda, you are literally like family. Um, (laughs) How did we meet the very first time? Keisha Corey introduced me to you. We were on the top floor of the Restoration Hardware in Florida. Yeah. Right before one of your events. Right before one of the conferences. And then fast friends, and now our families are entangled. And that's just the wonderful way that life is. Uh, The world gets smaller. (laughs) The world's gotten a lot smaller. That's right. And I have to behave myself more often, which is kind of a thing. So. Especially with social media today, everybody can see your life. And, you know, one thing about uh, Nicole that I love is like, she is who she is. I mean, every event I've met you, every time, you know, we've had a chance to have lunch together. You know, my, my son works for you and Pastor David. And, you know, we could not be more excited. You know, Nicole, you, you have been consistent. And I appreciate that. But I appreciate your authenticity, and that I can count on when I call Nicole, if I'm on a podcast with you, if I'm attending your church. I just love your heart and your spirit, and I love your message. But what made you write the book, Thrive? Um, I didn't want to, but God just put on my heart that there were a lot of people in pain, and the type of pain that they were dealing with, some people were dealing with a subconscious pain, so kind of this way. Um, I kind of say that unforgiveness is like chaining a dead person to you and carrying Mm. everywhere. 
So there's a lot of us dealing with unforgiveness, repressed memories, um, hurt, anger, bitterness, resentment, things that happen to us or things that happen because of us. And all of this stuff shoved down in our heart is not, in, not allowing us to walk out the life that God actually called us to. We're surviving life. Life's a little bit flat, a little bit gray. We wish we were having more fun and we don't know what's wrong. And it's because God told me this. He said, I cannot heal a pain that you won't look at. So we have to go ahead wow. and look at that pain in our heart. Well, what's the Bible for that lady? Cause I don't know, you're on this podcast. You're telling me that God won't heal my pain. No, I'm telling you, God won't heal a pain you won't look at. And here's the scripture for that. First Peter five, seven says to cast your care on him. Not that he's going to come in, invade your heart, fling in the locked open doors to those dark places that you won't look at and heal. It says we have to cast it on him. The Bible says to ask and it shall begin to you seek and you shall find knock and the door shall be open. It says, keep on asking. It says you have not because you ask not. We have to be willing to, Rosalinda, to look at the very things that we think people do not deserve forgiveness for. And we have the strength in and of ourselves to forgive and give those things to God and be ready for him. Get now I'm going to the deeper part of the book because, and, and you might be thinking, yeah, girl, you don't know what I went through. I'm, I don't, I don't know what you went through, but my through it stuff, I got, I got some stuff. I brought, I came with a whole like airport carousel full of baggage. I got you. You know, one of the things I didn't know is that you, you were actually adopted. Mm -hmm. And so you went through that. And so you had some rejection in there. What was it about that? Or what did that leave you feeling? You know, how has that been a part of your story? I was born in Canada, uh, given up by, by my, my biological dad before I was born, adopted in the U.S. by my stepdad. Didn't find out about it until I was in fourth grade. Fourth grade was the year I found out I was adopted, the year I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and the year that I was molested. Hmm. So I had these rejection issues already lagging when I met Jesus, which really started to help me. But then I was trying to figure out why and when it really affected me. It didn't affect me when not so much when I was three. It did affect me some when I was 10, 13. But then even later in life, um, after 9-11, I went to apply for a passport. Me and my husband, we were going to go to the Dominican with the kids. We found this great, like all-inclusive vacation on sale, but you got to like leave in a couple of days. We're like, okay, rush these passports. His came straight through and I got off Homeland Security. And they said, oh, we, have, we have questions about you. Okay. Um, where, where did you come from? Because you were born in 1972. Your birth certificate is stamped in 1975. It's a U.S. birth certificate, but your birthplace says Toronto, Canada. And we really have some questions about who you are. And so I explained I was adopted. You know, that's why I was born in Canada. When I was adopted in the U.S., they gave me a U.S. birth certificate. They said, okay, that's great. We're going to need the birth certificates of your biological parents. I said, well, that would be awesome. Except for like, I don't know where to find my, my dad. Like, I have no idea. You know, I'm not going to go knock on his, track him down, knock on his door and be like, hey, you don't know me, but kind of need your birth certificate. Don't worry about it. I'm sure it's fine. You know, I'm, I'm like, how am I supposed to pull this off? And they didn't care. That's what mm. I do to get a passport. So I started really kind of reckoning, like, who am I paying taxes for 27 years in this country? And I've got a social security card and I've been working and I've got a life and I've got a family, but they still don't know who I am. 
And it started eating away at who am I and do I matter and what are my roots? And if I don't know my roots and what don't I know about myself? And the enemy, I talk about in chapter three of the book, the book is called I Will Thrive, but it's got this word survive on it. And this is what Rosalinda was talking on the corner because that's the survival mentality is I don't know who I am and I'm adopted and they made me feel bad, but I'll make it through it. No. <laughs> That's survival and survival is not our ceiling. God created survival to be our floor. Mm. But the I enemy, love that. But the, uh, so the enemy will come at you and tell you, this is, this is the best you can hope for. And that's not biblical. Ephesians 3.20 says that he's exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think of mad or imagine according to the power that works inside of us. What is that? Is it magic? No. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that is in us. It's shed abroad in our heart and it fuels us. It powers us. But the enemy will say, I, even somebody on my staff said, I came to me said, Oh, pastor Nicole, we don't know if this is a good time for a message like this. You know, people just came out of COVID and some people are just believing God for their next meal. And I said, you know, you're right. People are believing God for their next meal. That's exactly why I need to preach this message because their next meal is not the pinnacle of what God can do for them. That is the basic necessity of what God can do for them. He's not trying to feed them their next meal. He's trying to feed them for their lifetime. And if we can't raise their expectation and raise their faith, they're going to end up living way below what God called them to do. We need to get them to lengthen their cords and strengthen their stakes because God has thriving plans for every one of his children. This is a, a faith building. If you heard what Nicole said, she really said, we gotta inventory ourselves. You know, if we're gonna cast something, if we're gonna cast something on the Lord, you had to find out. I mean, because this really happened when you were four, but as an adult, sometimes we carry these hurts. We carry these burdens. You're listening today, and this is just, just really just pulling something out of you that maybe, just maybe there was something inside of you that has kept you in the survival mode too long and it's time to thrive into what God has for you. And you're right, Nicole, this is a time to preach this because if we just let people stay in their depression, stay in the woe is me, but here we are, we're like faith chicks, we're warriors, we're, we're ready to go on and conquer the new thing. But people have that survival mentality. God can do big things in the middle of a pandemic. He can do big, the biggest things happen when he pulls us out of those valleys. You found out I was adopted. You found out I was molested. Um, I lived in a small town. We didn't have, our family didn't have money. My dad was a factory worker who got laid off. Therefore he was jobless for a while before he found a job as a janitor. My mom was a housewife. Our brand new car was a station wagon with the wood grain paneling on it. We had one. I got you. <laughs> the other side, we bought it at a junkyard because the other side, <gasps> I swiped. So, mom, you can drop me off at school, but you can't pick me up because you can't go the other way with the traffic, you know? And so we didn't have money. And when I finally in fifth grade told one little girl what happened to me, she told everybody, that's what a little girl does. And in my mm. time, I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't know that was going to happen. And then back in the day, they didn't have the word bullying. I just knew life was literally like a living hell on earth. Mm -hmm. It's were cruel. They called names. I had nowhere to sit on the bus. I wrote a whole chapter on being bullied and why are people bullied? And if, if somebody's listening to the podcast, I want you to write this down. People bully you because hurt people hurt people. Mm, that's so good. 
And that's why we can't walk around hurt because this whole book is full of my story and the coping mechanisms. There are so many coping mechanisms in here. Um, there's where we talk about anger as a coping me mechanism, fear as a coping mechanism, overachievement as a coping mechanism. We talk about building walls and emotionally numbing out as a coping mechanism. Of course, there's food and addiction and, and a, a lot of different things, but there's also a lot of people didn't recognize that overachievement is a coping mechanism because we're trying to prove to people who aren't even looking that look, I could be worth it. Look, you wouldn't have wasted your time on Lee. Look, I'm doing good now, couldn't you want me? And we run on this treadmill of life, running as fast as we can, wearing ourselves out, wearing out our relationships, our marriages, our relationships with our kid, and nobody's even looking anyway, because that's not what they want from us. So I got bullied and uh, so the rumors spread all around our school. And when I was 13 years old, I was in eighth grade, there was a man doing community service in our school and he heard what happened to me and so I guess he thought it would be okay, but he raped me. Mm. So I never told anybody about that for years because of what happened last time I told something. But wow. that summer we moved to a new school, new county, new school district, new city, and I got a new start. And what I didn't realize had happened to me, Rosalinda, and a lot of people feel like through COVID and what has happened in the last year, things have been taken away from them. And I felt like a lot of things had been taken away from me. My no had been taken away. No meant nothing when I was molested. No meant nothing wow. when I was, raped. I was raped. All I had left was yes. So in this new school, I just started yes. And what I found out is I became addicted to people pleasing. Do you wanna to go to a party? Yes. Do you wanna drink? Yes. Do you wanna smoke? Yes. Can I kiss you? Yes. What I found out is when I had said yes, I could have friends. And life had failed me to that point. But at that point I failed myself because I became a pregnant unwed mother at 17 years old. Hmm. My goodness. And, and you know, I'm listening to you and you're going through all of that. And then there's one more, one more challenge. Mm -hmm. And that's how life is. Sometimes we feel like we just got through something and then life hands us one more thing. Mm -hmm. You know, were your parents saved at that time? Was it an issue at home? You know, was there a rejection there? I actually, because of all of the things that happened to me, yes, I was definitely not the school bad girl, but I definitely wasn't the school angel either. But my parents, I was the first one. They didn't know how to handle me. Um, I didn't, my parents were very strict. Um, you know, home by 10, home by 10.01, you have to come home an hour earlier next time. Um, all my other friends were, you know, had 11 o'clock curfews. And here I am now I'm having to come in at, at eight because I, I was two minutes late. Um, they learned and I learned at the same time, but I left home when I was 16. So I wasn't even living at home. So I write in the chapter called glory days about how I was living in my glory days and how basically I self-sabotaged and disappointed myself, but how God can turn and use everything for our good. Because that seven, when that boy I had when I was 17 years old, he's 31 years old. Now he works with your son, Gabe. <laughs> yes, he, he does. He's a campus pastor. He's leading people to Jesus. We live half our life in St. Louis, 50% of the time with four churches. We live the other 50% of the time in West Palm Beach with two churches. And our son and daughter-in-law, not because they can't afford it, but because we asked them to, and they chose to, and they said, yes, they live with us whenever we are in Florida. And I could not imagine a greater blessing in my life. He's a powerful man of God. I've heard him preach myself, but how God takes something that initially may bring sorrow and he turns it into joy. How God's taken your life, Nicole. I mean, from the beginning, from the adoption issue, from the way you were brought up, from bullying. I mean, it's just been a nonstop 
you know, and, and I say that compassionately, hearing that you've gone through a rape. I mean, that just breaks my heart, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about you that are listening right now. And maybe you've gone through things and you thought maybe you were the only one that's gone, you know, not to diminish what you've gone through, but so that you can hear the testimony of Nicole that you've you've overcome, but you've not just survived. There's a decision in there. There's a shift. There's something where you take off and you begin to thrive. And I watch you. You're a mentor to me. I love hearing you preach the word of God and you are thriving. You're winning the loss to Jesus. You are a wonderful example of a, a wife and a loving friend, you know, and also a parent. But there was a decision. There was something, Nicole, that happened. And, you know, when do you think that shift happened where you were like, this is it. I'm letting go of survival and I'm taking off. Well, I wrote a chapter in the book called Looking Your Giant in the Eye taking 20 seconds of insane courage. And the next step in my life for that chapter to make sense, uh, the next step in my life, which I write about, I call it meeting Mr. Wrong. Um, <laughs> I met a guy, I couldn't believe he wanted me and all my baggage. We got married, he was a bodybuilder, he was cute. He had medical initials after his last name. I couldn't believe he wanted me. He got addicted to prescription medication, which turned into cocaine, which mm. turned into crack cocaine which he used for the very first time on my birthday, which was April 19th, 1995. It, the picture of the Oklahoma City bombing was physically a prophetic picture about of what was about to happen in my life that day. And he didn't come home for four days. I didn't know how to find him. And when he came down that first time, he raged when he was coming down. So over time, he herniated my C7, he broke my rib, we had restraining orders. I watched two different police officers at one time try and take him down because he was so strong when he was strung out coming down, whatever the word is. He threw me through walls, he threw me through doors, he put a gun in my mouth. I talk in the in the book about how he put a gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger. Mm. How God can do miracles on our behalf. And so I ended up uh, bankrupt. He spent all our money, maxed out all our credit cards. I talk about how he sold the furniture out of the house when I was at work to a friend of ours, um, who I later called and asked, why did you buy that? <laughs> I still owe money on that furniture. Um, and he, he ruined my credit. I ended up foreclosed on. I couldn't pay the mortgage, which made me homeless. And then he was stalking me so hard. I literally had to leave my life. I had to give my son back to his dad, my high school sweetheart. And I had to run. I told everybody I was going to Mexico and I went to Florida and I left a marketing director at a fortune 500 company. I left that job and I took a job at a diner for cash. And I lived at a hotel for cash because if I used my credit card, he would find me. Mm. So as I was down there, um, that's when I was alone again. And it reminded me of junior high and I just couldn't take it. If you're looking for that moment and in that moment, this is what I want to tell you, listener. God does not call you because you are worthy. Nothing that happened to you or nothing that happened because of you. You might think I was the abuser. I was the person who caused the problem. I was the drug user. I wasn't on the, on the, on the other side of that. Nothing that happened to you or nothing that happened because of you has ever changed God's plan for your life. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says God's 
plans, his gifts, his callings, they are irrevocable. He cannot take them back. And matter of fact, he is the alpha and omega. He is the beginning and the end. He sees the end from the beginning. He saw what you were going to do. He saw what was going to happen to you. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to create them because I need them. They are called. They are destined. They are purposed. The Bible says there is none worthy, not even Mother Teresa. No, not one. So it's not our worthiness he looks at, Rosalinda. It's our willingness. And he wants to know, are you willing? Because the willing and obedient eat the good of the land. So he wanted to know, are you willing, Nicole, to have 20 seconds of insane courage, get in your car and start driving home? And the answer was no. (laughs) No. And He kept digging at me and digging at me. And so I just did it. I threw my stuff in the back. I got in the car and I started driving home. But here's the thing, Rosalinda. A lot of people think I went to church one time. God fixed me. I'm good now. I can leave. I'm good. I graduated. We don't need 20 seconds of insane courage once. We need it over again because we, I know this is going to be shocking, huge revelation. We are not cars. Right. (laughs) And by that, I mean, you, can't, you take a car, it's got a busted radiator hose, they put a new radiator hose on and the car is gone. No, we need maintenance. That's why tools like this book, I Will Thrive, you get into it, you start doing some deep soul work, you unearth the pain, you give it to God, you allow him to heal it. You, you allow him to tell you to forgive the rapist. You allow him to tell you to forgive the molester. You allow him to tell you to forgive the ex-husband and God, they don't deserve it. And he goes, yeah, neither do you. Okay. But his grace, but for his grace. And, and, and so you make this decision. I mean, Nicole, is that when you gave your life to the Lord? Well, I had given my life to the Lord when I was in fourth grade. Okay. Okay. And I had memorized the book of Ephesians at summer camp. When I went through the thing with my ex-husband, we grew, I grew distanced from God. And in high school, you know, when I started just saying yes to everything, I, I grew distanced from God. So when I was in Florida, I was distanced from God because I had prayed and I asked God, God, I need you to deliver my husband. God, I need you to break this addiction. And God didn't do it. But the thing is, he would have to pray those prayers for himself and he wouldn't do it. And honestly, I wasn't supposed to be in that marriage at all. I entered into a marriage that God never asked me to go into. Cause I didn't ask him about it. I just did it. Cause I wanted to, cause I thought nobody else could possibly want me. And that's what I talk about in the book. I, call, I, I talk in the book about when your wedding goes whack dealing with anger. But then I also mm. talk about meeting Mr. Wright, which is my, my husband, David, who I've been married to for over 23 years now, but it took me five months, Rosalinda for five months. He asked me out on a date and I said, no, because I was, here's what you have to reflect on years later. I was scared to walk into that God opportunity because I didn't mm. Because you didn't feel worthy, you held back. And so, you know, I'm listening to this. I mean, this is like a movie I'm watching here and I'm just visualizing everything that you've gone through. And, you know, I turned to that because I worked on movies, you know, in Hollywood on some of the Christian movies. And so I'm like, I'm seeing all of this stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm going back to our listener who is stuck in that same place, who has felt unworthy, who sometimes, Nicole, I think the harder people to reach are the ones that knew Christ, who already were saved, 
who then have this guilt and condemnation that said, I should have done something different. I should have known. I should have done better. I don't know if you, you run into that with some of the people that you deal with, but a lot of times, maybe somebody that's never heard of the Lord runs quickly to the presence of God, but somebody who knew the graces of God. And then we do this thing where we're blaming ourselves, but that's the power of the Lord is that, you know, his desire is that we're not condemned. And that if we'll just do that inner research, figure out what it is that's been holding us down, if we'll cast our cares, you know, upon the father that just loves us, he wants to heal us. He will, I love it when the Bible says he'll lift us up out of that pit and put our feet upon a rock, you know, I serve the Lord, I love the Lord, and I've made mistakes and I've sinned in such a way I thought, you know, I thought God will never use me. He'll never forgive me. You know, how could he use this? I knew better. And so, you know, this book is not just for the unsaved, but you know, it really is for those that are saved. And you know what too, Nicole? I think that we need to get this book into hands of young girls. And I know there's some heavy topics in there, but it's not too heavy that what would be heavier is trying to fix and bring healing later. And I think that we can learn a lot of prevention and a lot of things that we carry as an adult. Like we carry that unforgiveness when all along God was waiting to heal us. So I'm, I'm loving this message, Thrive. You know, if there was something that you could wrap it up with and you could just share you know, with the listener that's going, you know what, I'm ready. This sounds great. You know, I want them to read that book. I want you to read Thrive, guys. I want you to pull out your Bible alongside it, you know, because I know she's dropping some scriptures. She's dropping the word, you know, everything that Nicole does. I love that. Um, you know, you really base it on the word of God. You know who your strength has been. Oh, yeah. But, you know, what do you tell them? You know, that person, I'm here, I'm teetering, you know, and and what is that that first thing maybe they can look for when they're ready to go? You know what? I'm ready to give it to the Lord. Um, I, I read a line in the book and it says that the depths of your wounds do not determine the height of your future. Oh, come on. I'm about to run around the house. <laughs> God, since and after the book, as I've been dwelling on it and I've been preaching message out of, messages out of it, God showed me a slingshot. And he said, when you pull the slingshot back just a little bit and let it go, it doesn't go very far. He said, but when you pull it back a lot, he said, when the enemy dares mess with my kids, mm. when he dares touch them, cause them pain in their physical body, in their hearts, when he dares give them a burden, he said, I'm committed by my word to make the enemy pay seven times. I'm committed by my word that I will work all things together for your good. I am committed by my word to never waste one of your hurt. I body tears. So I pulled that back. The word said, you will bruise your heel, but you will crush the enemy's head. So I pull it back for every pain. And when I release you, you go so much further, so much farther, so much faster than you ever could and do the enemy damage. So that's what I want to tell you today. If you are stuck and you're back here, God's waiting to release you, but he cannot release you without your permission. He is a God who is a gentleman. He has a code and he says, are you willing? And until we say, yes, I am willing. Are you willing to forgive? Yes, God, I am willing to forgive. Are you willing to love the unlovely? Yes, I'm willing to love the unlovely. Are you willing to look at the pain that you've been trying to shove down and give it to me and let me heal it? Yes, God, I will articulate it and give it to you. Once we say yes to all those right things, he lets us go, Rosalinda. And that's when survival is no longer an option. 
That's when numbness goes away and we feel joy and happiness again. That's when we realize we don't have to run so hard and so fast to impress them because we're not supposed to impress them. We're supposed to impress him. That's when we have the faith to overcome fear and we have the patience to overcome anger because it's the fruit of the spirit. Ah. Uh. I am ready to say yes. People listening are ready to say yes. I got that visual. I'm like, don't mess with daddy. Don't mess with our heavenly father. He's got our back. Oh, I'm so excited about this project, Nicole. I'm excited about how God is using you. He's opening doors. You're releasing, not just, you know, I see you thriving, but you are releasing women, men, children, individuals, you're releasing them into catapulting them into what God has for their, for their lives. Look, God wants us to thrive. I understand the pandemic. I understand everything you've been through. I mean, you guys know me, we run homes for men and women, and we hear the most insane stories that you've ever heard. And one day, Nicole, I'll never forget it. I had uh, one of the girls that worked with me out of the home, uh, horrifying stories of what she had gone through. And we were dealing with this other girl and I was trying to feel sorry. And some of the other people were feeling sorry for her. She taps me on the shoulder and she said, you know, I've been to hell and back, but God's mercies are new every morning. And one day joy comes in the morning. And a lot of times, Nicole, and I, I you know, I'm that direct person that'll just tell you, I've got a little bit of a she warrior, you know, in me. And I want to tell you that if you want to thrive, if you want to stop just hanging in there and just floating, and I know this is your message too, Nicole, is that we're going to have to reach out to the Lord and you're going to have to surrender and you're going to have to say yes. And so, look, you're listening today. I know this podcast. We can go on and on and on and on because so many people are just stuck and we want you to be set free the way we have found freedom. And I know that's Nicole Hart. It's the heart of the Lord. He loves you and he wants you to thrive. And so I want to pray for you. And actually, Nicole, I want you to pray mm. for anybody listening that is ready. Mm. They're ready for their first step. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you, you, you're saying yes now, but you, you're just not sure. Just like Nicole was. God is enough to help you, release you and heal you and help you get into the motion of thriving. So Nicole, would you pray for our listeners today? Anybody that says yes. Father God, I speak to those people who are scared. God, I don't, I don't know if I can face this. God, that is a trick of the enemy. Fear is faith in reverse. And so the enemy is using faith in what the pain could be instead of faith in what the healing could be. So God, we turn that fear over to you right now and say, God, empower us, make us strong. When we are weak, God, you are strong. We can't do this in and of ourselves, but God, you can. So we are inviting you in. Listener, I want you to say this out loud right now. Say, dear God, I invite you in to every locked, every dark, and every hidden place in my heart. Right now, I believe that you have given God access to things that have been blocked off from his healing touch. So God, I feel your presence right now. And I ask you to go in and breathe a breath of relief, a sigh of knowing I've been on the battlefield alone, but I am no longer. The cavalry is here. The troops have arrived. The angel is surrounding. We are not facing the alone. We're facing this with the God of the universe on our side. I speak healing, restoration, 
Restoration that does not leave a broken thing looking broken, but a restoration that makes a broken thing whole. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Nicole, just for being um, just so revealing of everything that you've gone through. You know, it's like I said in the beginning, you know, we can look at somebody, you know, and, and we do that as little girls, but as adults too. And, and we size people up. We think they never could have gone through what I've gone through. Um, but you truly are a, a more than a survivor. You are somebody who is thriving. And I pray that God will continue to use you, anoint you, strengthen you, open doors for you that God that only he could do that you could never push open for yourself you know this book guys you're listening to this podcast today uh, there's a lot of stuff out there but um, it's just like when my son was looking for a job you know he had a lot of open doors to him he had pastors calling him from everywhere and I said you know what let's call somebody that we believe in you know if you're gonna go with somebody let's go with somebody that I said is like family somebody that we know we have a relationship and so I'm telling you today that I, I feel very um, just encouraged by this book and this project and I just want to tell you that not all things written have the backing and have the proof and her life is truly one that glorifies God so get a hold of this copy I mean I'll be honest with you I bought five the other day on Amazon no actually I think about ten and oh my we God. bought them. We shipped them here. I'm going to put them in the hands of people. If you don't need the book, you know somebody that needs the book. Let's support. I'm all about supporting Christian authors. Let's do that. Nicole, I love having you on here. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. And I want to say thank you. You are a generational anointing, um, standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before you, doing monumentous things in the kingdom. And you know, I want to say thank you for all that you do, how you do it. And the fact that you are relentless in your pursuit for Christ and just winning people to Jesus. We love you guys. Oh, we love you too. Hey guys, you, you're listening. And you know what I always say? When you put your trust in God, he will fuel your faith. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get more at rosalinda.live. If you experience it, we'll examine it. If God's word says it, we'll stand on it. And when you're feeling faint, we are here with your faith fuel. I'm Rosalinda Rivera. We'll chat again soon. This podcast was brought to you by New Life for Adults and Youth, celebrating 50 years of restoring broken lives. If you or a family member has been struggling with addiction, New Life for Adults and Youth is the answer. Visit them at newlife.center.